Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Look for hairy situations, special situations. Don't just go for the fancy marketed real estate acquisitions. I think that if you want to find a good deal, you really got to dig for it. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R dot com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, we got Michael Shalala. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Michael. He is the Director of Originations for Equicap, which is a real estate investment banking firm. He's focused on effectively structuring financing for complex real estate transactions based in New York City, New York. And you can say hi to him at his company's website, which is in the show notes page. So with that being said, Michael, you want to tell us a little bit about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. Like you mentioned, we are a finance firm, folks run commercial real estate in New York City. We pride ourselves in our ability to structure debt and equity. We work for developers and owner operators around the country. My background's in finance. We're a pretty small shop, about five or six guys here in the office on a daily basis, but we do about a billion dollars in transactions a year. So we're very active. I think it equates to about 100 deals a year, 100 nice size deals a year. And we go up and down the capital stack. So we arrange acquisition financing, construction financing, traditional refis, special situation deals. We touch all asset classes from multifamily to industrial to hospitality. So we really like to touch it all. Anything that has a commercial real estate component, you talk about small businesses and SBA loans. We do it all, really. So, yeah, we like the hairy stuff. Give us an example of the hairy stuff. Give us a specific example, if you could. I'll give you an example. 
Last year, we had a really interesting deal that came to us in, in Brooklyn. It was a distress deal. The client was a couple weeks away from her building going to auction. And her lender was obviously foreclosing on her. And she was looking for an exit. Her, her building had tons of violations. In, in New York, the violations can get pretty heavy. You, know, you have to be on top of your building. And she wasn't. So her, her building ended up going on the AEP list, which is a list of the worst violated buildings in New York City. So a lot of lenders wouldn't want to touch that deal. What we did was we found a family office to come in, lend her the money, and pretty much get her out of the sticky situation that she was in, where she was in default. We bought her enough time to reposition the asset and stabilize the situation. And ultimately, we got her out of that sort of funky situation that she was in, where she almost lost her building. She was able to buy time to clear up the violations and then find conventional financing thereafter to take out that family office. So mm-hmm. it's sort of an example of a, of a hairy situation uh, work on, on development deals where can, can we know, talk, a site. I'd love to talk about the development deals in a second, but I'd love to learn more about how that was specifically structured just to learn more about, okay, if I have a building in Brooklyn, totally have been messing up, Worst violated on the worst violation list, the AEP list. Is that it? AEP? Yep. Okay, the AEP list. And then I come to you and you're like, hey, Joe, this is my specialty. You are in good hands. Let me try and take care of it. And then you come to me with the proposal. How is that exactly structured? How is the loan agreement structured? Yeah. How are the terms of both? Yeah, so both. Obviously, the most important thing is getting to a place where the lender is capable of coming in, paying off the existing lender and coming into a new sort of structured deal with the borrower. In this case, the loan was structured as a bridge loan where term of the loan was 12 months with a couple extension options. So the borrower had 12 months time before the new loan would mature, a couple options to extend. And within those 12 months, she's paying pretty high interest, right? Uh, the borrower is going to be paying pretty high interest as compared to a conventional mortgage, but at least she's able to hold on to the asset and get it back to where it had to be. So the trade-off with a bridge loan is that, hey, you got to pay up, but it buys you more time to get a distressed asset to where it's got to be. And then her exit out in 12 months is... She's now done the stabilization. The previous lender is paid off, done. Now family office comes in. Cleaned up the violations. Cleaned up the violations, okay, and then stabilized it. From a stabilization standpoint, here, what specifically are we doing to stabilize the property other than cleaning up violations? At the time where the property was really in distress, there were a good amount of vacancies. Some of the properties needed some CapEx work, some minor renovations to get them leased up. So once our lender came into the deal, she had that 12 months time to come in, make those minor renovations, get those units leased up. This way she was able to upsize the cash flow and get the building performing again. And from a lender standpoint, Is the reason why I would lend to an individual in that type of circumstance because if they don't perform, I get the building? And the reason why I say that is because if an owner has gotten to that point where they've got all these violations are on the naughty list, it sounds like that would be tough to trust that they'll follow through with this new loan. For sure. 
I think that any bridge lender that tells you that they're not worried about getting paid off is probably lying to you. They're always worried about it because they're coming into hairier situations than a conventional bank would. But they definitely need to take into account what the property is worth as is, what they're lending on, and just in case they run into that issue where they need to take back the keys to the property, they know that their basis is solid and that they would still be able to come out either making a little bit of money or breaking even. But I don't think that any lenders that at least I deal with intentionally go into a loan to own situation, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of lenders out there that people need to look out for. And maybe some of your listeners that are sort of getting into the real estate game that are looking for private money or hard money, quote unquote, you, know, you got to be careful. You got to make sure that your lenders are not out to just take the property right under your feet. They're there to work with you and dealing with those lenders. You got to be careful. Any particular questions you could ask a lender to try and determine if they're a loan to own type of lender? Yeah, I think it's important to know sort of how many loans they have out at any given time, how many loans have been paid off, what their level of experience is. Anybody can have money, right? And anybody can be playing in a real estate game, but really how many transactions have you been a part of and who can I call as a reference? Who are one of your borrowers that I can speak to to make sure that the process went smoothly? And I think deal with debt and equity brokers like myself that can speak to that and I'm accountable, right? Brokers are accountable to which lender they pair you up with. Experience is definitely important and just being able to speak to somebody that can guide you through the process. Now, you were mentioning development deals before we went very deep on this Brooklyn deal. What about development deals or deal that was challenging? We're dealing with a few challenging construction deals at the moment. For example, we have a developer that bought a lot that had environmental issues that we needed to clean up in order to acquire the land and then start building on it. But there's all types of situations that developers can run into. We also have seen a lot in this market you know, where people first-time developers are getting into deals, they don't budget properly, there's cost overruns, they end up falling short of their budget, and they need to upsize their construction loan again. We've worked on deals like that where we've taken out construction loan, this way we can bring in another construction lender to upsize the loan, give them more money to complete the project. So developers definitely need to be careful, make sure they budget everything as detailed as they can so they don't run into that problem. What's a scenario where I came to you and I said, hey, I got a really tough situation, or you say, Joe, you're screwed. Sorry, I can't help, I can't help you. What would that be? I think if you get to a point where your as complete value is falling short of what you owe on the property and what you need to complete the property, that's when you're really in trouble. You got to make sure that you buy things smart. You buy things at a good basis, that you're not just building to build, right? You go into it, you got to run the numbers and make sure that you have room to play and, and room for error because any developer will tell you it's never 100% smooth. There's always going to be bumps in the roads. There's always going to be contractors that need a little extra money to do whatever. There's always cost overruns. So you got to be careful. What's a uh, approach you take to developing relationships with family offices? I think with family offices, you definitely want to approach the ones that, first of all, have sort of an interest in real estate, because not all family offices play in that game. 
And I think that you want to bring good deals to family offices. Some of them play on the equity side, some of them play on the debt side, some of them play on both levels. But I think I've developed these relationships over the years by bringing good deals, deals that are strong on paper, that have strong sponsors. And that's primarily it, right? You don't want to make sure that whatever you're bringing to the table is going to look good for them. Thinking about that Brooklyn deal where the family office came in, I'm not asking you to name any names, but how did you initially meet a person at that family office? I actually met that person at a networking event that one of my title relationships organized. You got to go out to these little events that people will put together. It was sort of a, a private thing where a few guys got together and exchanged business cards. But that was actually it. And, you know, it's funny about that deal was nobody wanted to touch this deal. There was not a lender under the sun that wanted to touch it. And then a week before we got this thing closed, we found this guy. So it was, it was a really quick process. How long have you been the director of origination? Equicap has been around for 15 years. Okay. Uh, I've been here for about three, four years now. Okay. Um, With your approach in particular, for the three, four years you've been there, what's something you've evolved? Definitely been paying more attention to media. In particular, I developed a sort of marketing platform on Instagram and some of these other media channels. But you're starting to see more brokers and more developers and more owners put their product to show on these platforms. and. I think it's important to pay attention to that and be a part of it because I think in the next couple of years, it's going to grow even more because there's a lot of people in the industry that aren't really paying attention to it, but you'd be surprised how many new leads, new contacts, new developers I meet on a daily basis through social media. So you're a registered broker dealer? Yes. For someone who's not familiar with that term, first, what is it? And then secondly... What's the type of compensation that someone can expect to be charged if they work with a broker-dealer? Sure. By the way, before I answer that question, about 90% of deals in New York City on the debt and equity side run through a brokerage. And that's because brokers in this market are – it's important to find a good broker, one – And two, you want to have representation when you're negotiating with your lenders to make sure that you get the best deal, you see all the options on the table out there, because it's our job to know all the lenders and equity players out there. So obviously, I'm biased, but I'm a big believer in people going out and using brokers, and I think the market speaks to that. But as far as what it takes to get into the brokerage world, you you need to get licensed from the city. There's a series of tests that you need to take. And as far as the fees are concerned, on debt, this is flexible out there. I think there's different companies offer different sliding scales for their fees and stuff. But typically speaking, on a debt assignment, you're going to get charged about a point, so 1% of the total debt. And then on an equity assignment, equity is usually between 2 and 3%. But you can play with those numbers. You know, sometimes smaller deals or more difficult deals, it could be a little higher. Bigger deals that are a lot easier to get done, cookie cutter, multifamily refinances, you can chop that point down to maybe, I don't know, 75 bips. So there's some flexibility there. Thank you. Appreciate that. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say to look for hairy situations, special situations. Don't just go for the 
fancy marketed real estate acquisitions. I think that if you want to find a good deal, you really got to dig for it. You got to look for the guy that's in trouble or, you know, the lady that's in trouble and needs help. And you know, this way you can structure a deal for them that makes sense. And you can maybe come into the deal in a unique way. So I think you got to look for special situations. You got to look for hairy deals. That's the best way that you can sort of find the golden opportunities. I'm going to ask you a follow-up on that because you're brokering the money between the person doing the hairy deal who is at risk and the lender who is at risk but should have a property that they can own if the owner doesn't adhere to whatever the loan covenants are. So you don't have skin in the game necessarily, sure a reputation, but skin in the game. So from looking at a hairy deal, I hear you. That's where we could get a lot of value. But holy cow, that could be where I lose my shirt. So have you been an operator on these types of deals before? What I've done in the past is if I really like a deal, I'll roll my fee into the... Ah, okay. Uh, so if it really makes sense, if it really pencils out and you know that the guy that's running with a transaction knows what he's doing, then it's worth taking a shot at, right? Or maybe you split your fee, right? So you get paid half and you roll half into the deal. It becomes a small piece of the transaction, but 12 months, 18 months down the line when there's another play, whether it's a sale or a refinance, you can see a little premium on your money. So the answer to that is yes. So certainly more of an alignment of interest with them when you do that. Still, it's investing money that is a commission versus perhaps the owner-operator who didn't earn money with equity that they put into the deal. They might have had to dip in savings or something, but still more of alignment of interest. I didn't know brokers, broker-dealers did that, so that's pretty cool to know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a creative way to get involved. And by the way, I might want to mention that these lenders, although they're lending on a Harrier transaction, let's say, Sometimes they like that because they also recognize that there's a unique opportunity to come into a special situation that the guy or girl that's running the deal can create a lot of value and put the lender in a better position to be taken out down the road. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Give it a shot, man. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com. Okay, best ever book you've read. Best ever book I read. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> um, like a Virgin, Richard Branson. All right. What is the best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about? I did an SBA loan for a trendy cafe in New York City called Cafe Grumpy. Why is it the best ever? Just because it's kind of cool name? If you look up their logo, they got the coolest logo, man. They're a really cool coffee brand. All right. Where is that located? I don't know Cafe Grumpy. 
They have a location in Grand Central, right in the middle of Manhattan, and they got a bunch all over the city. The loan that I got them helped them open up a location downtown. All right, yeah, they got a new Miami location too. They just opened up one in Miami. I think they got a couple in Brooklyn. Yep, they're all. Yep, yep, roasting in Brooklyn and brewing beyond. Cool. What's the mistake you've made on a transaction? Mistake I made? Hopefully none. I think the only mistakes I've made are really presenting things to lenders that haven't been fully vetted. And what I mean by that is, for example, if a guy comes to me and says his net worth is $10 million and it's really $500, then that could pose a potential problem. And that's happened in the past. So, you know, it's definitely important to make sure that the people that you deal with you vet them and you make sure that what they're telling you is actually the truth. That wild swing of net worth has happened before? Maybe not $500, but give or take. <laughs> give or take 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely some, some cowboys out there. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back? For me, I like giving back to orphanages. My grandfather was an orphan, so that's sort of like a soft spot for me to give back to orphans. And what's the best ever way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? Best way to reach me is by email or on my Instagram. Just DM me. That's definitely the best way to reach me. Cool. You want to say your email? Michael at m-equicap.com. And the Instagram is at the developer club. And on the developer club, on Instagram, you can reach out to me. You through DM, email me, call me. All my information's there. I loved our case study conversation with the Brooklyn deal. The woman was in trouble, and then you got the family office involved. They bought out the existing lender and structured a new deal with her. It was a bridge loan, 12 months, a couple extension options. She cleared up the violations, had some vacancies, CapEx, minor renovations, got it leased up within 12 months, and then exited out into a longer-term loan. It was a loan that no one else would touch, and you met the family office contact at a networking event that I think a title company contact put together. So a lot of lessons to be learned there and just kind of a microcosm of the type of deals you do. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com.